Hi, friends. Welcome to God Stories. I am your host, Cassie, and I am so glad that you're here with me today. This is where I have on my friends, both new and old, to share their God stories. From the big, aha, miraculous, life-changing moments to the ordinary, everyday moments that are oftentimes the very extraordinary, life-changing ones. My hope is that you're encouraged. My hope is that you're sometimes challenged. My hope is that you feel welcome and enjoy today's episode. Hey, Coulter. Hey, Cassie. How are you? Good. Welcome to God Stories. Thank today you so much I have, for having me. Yeah, today I have my good friend Coulter Jones on. He is living in Peru. This is my first Zoom call. So we are looking face to face, but through a screen. And just so excited to have you on today. Will you go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah, of course. My name is Coulter Jones. I'm originally from Katy, Texas. Um, and for about the past four years, I've been living in two different cities in Peru. Uh, first in the jungle in Pucallpa, Peru, and now in Arequipa, Peru in the south. In is the that a big city? It is, ooh, that's a good question. I think it's the second or third largest city in Peru. So okay. yes, it is, it is quite big. And we're surrounded by three volcanoes. You we are? sit right in the middle of three volcanoes. Oh, I didn't know that. Are they like active volcanoes? A couple of them, yes. Yeah, wow. we, we would hope that that would not be something that would, <laughs> would ever happen. Oh my gosh. Well, Coulter and I have known each other. I was thinking about this the other day, I think for 20 years. I met you um, mm -hmm. at Holy Covenant, which is where you and I went to church for uh, really growing up, I started going there in fourth grade and quit in high school, but I think that that would be about 20 years. Yeah, I think so. I was, I was trying to do the math as well. And I, I was thinking fourth or fifth grade. Yeah. So that's, it's fascinating to think. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really cool to see. Um, and just to be your friend, I'm so thankful for you. So, so tell me, tell everybody how you ended up in Peru. You said you've been there for four years. What was the journey yeah. like to getting there? Well, so the journey was long. <laughs> and I, I think when I first started this, I had no idea um, just the, the ramifications of what, what was going to happen, how, how I was going to end up here. Um, it really started back at Holy Covenant. Um, I... Um, of course, I was brought up in a Christian family, and and you we were a church. You have an amazing every... family. I love your family. Oh, I love my family too. And Coulter's one and... of three boys, and got an awesome mama and daddy. Sorry, continue. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, um, I, but I agree that I do have an awesome mom and dad, um, and I look forward to the next time I get to see them after this this pandemic. Yeah. Um, I so. Grow, growing up and, and going to church at, at Holy Covenant, there was a lot of missions instilled in that church. And from what I know, it still is. Um, and had many leaders, um, youth leaders and volunteers encourage me uh, from a young age to get involved in missions. And I did from, I think, about age 12 or 13. 
on, I've been involved in missions. Uh, but for many of those first few years, I didn't really know what it meant uh, to be um, helping people. I just knew that I wanted to help people. Um, and it wasn't until um, I went on a, a mission trip to Tennessee called Mountaintop that my life was really transformed. And I, and I realized, oh, I'm not just helping people by, you know, mowing grass and painting buildings and, and building things. It was, it was more of, there was a spiritual aspect to it. Um, and I, I remember I was, I don't know the exact moment, but I was, it was the summer of my sophomore or junior year. Now I, I mix those up. And at, at Mountaintop, I realized, you know, I want to do this for the rest of my life. I want to serve people for the rest of my life. I still at that point didn't know where and didn't know how, didn't know what the Lord was going to do um, because I still had a lot of growing in my own life. <laughs> and I think, I, I do remember saying, saying one thing, Lord, send me anywhere. Just don't send me to South America or Europe. And it's really, it's really funny because I look back on that, that moment because I was, I was praying and I was saying, Lord, I'm, I'm ready to go, but don't send me to South America or Europe. I don't know why I said that. Um, and the two yes. places that I've done ministry are South America and Europe. <laughs> is was that at the time something that sounded did south america and europe sound scary to you or no i think i think i was just immature and i was kind of wanting to call my own shots and i was thinking from a mindset of ooh to be a missionary is to live in a hut in africa or it's to to be in the jungles of indonesia or some or, or be in you know, the underground church in China. I want to pause you there because I think that is a good point. I know people, I've heard people say that they will support missions um, if the missionary is in Africa. And that's just how they view a missionary. They don't think that you can be called to Australia. They don't think you can be called to Europe. They don't think you can be called to places that in their mind they might think are vacation spots perhaps so can you speak to that yeah it's a bit tricky um because it is something that i've i've certainly encountered i don't know if i've encountered personally with with supporters um but i know that i've i've seen it with other people who have said you know if you don't if you're not living a lifestyle that's yeah, that doesn't connect with the supporters idea of, of missions, then the check might not come. And, and that's, yeah, I, I find it's, that a bit sad. A bit <laughs> uh, sad. Yeah. It's, it's flawed logic. And, and I do, I mean, yeah, like I, I, I know that there's, there's gotta be people who, who take advantage of the system in any, in any situation, but you know, I, I just, there's got to be a trust built, um, I think, from the beginning, because there, there's always a chance that, you know, Danielle and I could not stay in Peru. Like, 
there's a possibility that the Lord could lead us to another location, whether that's, you know, back to the States or to a whole other um, part of the world. You know, that's, that's something we, we certainly haven't cut off because it's the Lord's leading. So what I think about is like, when I first started going to Honduras and Uganda, my dad was not supportive at all because of fear. He was so fearful that something would happen to his baby girl that he didn't want me to go. And I assured him that I knew that I was supposed to go. And so I, I of course went anyway. And over the years, I saw him understand. I saw him see me kind of really living in what I was called to. And at the end, the last trip I took to Uganda, the most recent one in 2017, he gave me $600, which was incredible. But his mindset was oftentimes we have missions, you know, right down the street, people that need help right down the street. Why don't you help them? Well, we do. You help, you help where you're at, you know, um, but you also, the Bible talks about helping everyone, you know, and I think that you can be, everybody's called to something, you know, and so you were called to Peru and God, that's where God has you right now. So it's really, I think we have to remember that, that there are people everywhere. And I kind of learned that through you when you were in Europe, that Europe is, um, has a lot of people that don't know the Lord and we have listeners and we actually have a lot of listeners in Europe, which I think is so cool with social media, you know, just how it connects people all over the world. But, um, okay. So let's back up a little bit. God put that on your heart to send you anywhere. You said no to Europe, no to South America, but we know that you're in South America. So what happened? Yeah. So, so quite a few years passed after that little prayer discussion that I had with God, uh, trying to call the shots. Um, and I, I went off to college. I jumped around different colleges, never really found my niche. I really, really struggled to find like, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Um, and then, um, ended up returning back to, to Katy, Texas, uh, where my parents were and, and started attending their church, second Baptist church. And it was, it was through second Baptist that I got involved in international missions. Uh, I was invited, um, Actually, no, this, this one wasn't an invite. I saw in a pamphlet, it was October, right around my birthday, actually. I saw that it was missions month and it had Second Baptist had all of their, their list of, of missions um, that they had available. And one said Columbia. And I was like, huh, interesting, Columbia. Never would have thought of going to, to Columbia on a mission trip um, and didn't think much more of it other than why not do this? <laughs> I just, I just thought, why, yeah, why, why not do this? I'm kind of at this, this crossroads where I'm being reminded of, of these conversations with God earlier in my life, about 10 years before that I was having them. And, um, and I thought, you know what, I'm just gonna, I want to give it a shot. I want to, I want to see what this is, what this is about. And I ended up, um, right around that time, I was, I was helping with, leadership in the college and young adults ministry. I was also helping with, with some photography and video related things at their main campus near Voss, 
Um, and I, I just remember I was, I was working on, on a video project where they have Chinese exchange students coming in and all the, all the while, you know, preparing to go on this, on this, uh, trip to to Colombia. Well, I get a I get a um, response from the mission pastor at the time. Um, and he says, um, he says, Yeah, so we want to we want to send you to Colombia for the work that you've done through this video, through this photo and video project that you've done for us. Wow. And I and I was like, really? Like, so I don't, I don't need to, to raise any, any funds for this. And he said, no, but what was interesting is I had already sent out my support letters at the time, and within within two weeks of sending out the support letters, I was fully funded. Oh my so I goodness. ended up with this situation where oh, they were going to support me, or the, the church was going to support me to go, and then I also received this <laughs> all all of it from from supporters from sending out letters. So then the topic came up that, well, you can go on the next trip to Columbia too. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so, he's, so there was a trip scheduled for August of 2012. And then there was a trip scheduled for October, November of 2012. And I was, I was set up to go on two trips to Columbia before even having been there the first time. And it was just fascinating to me to see how how this was coming into place because at the time I was just baffled I was thinking why am I going to Colombia twice in a three-month period this makes no sense and it wasn't well, a country get... you had desired to go to before it's not like you thought of Colombia before this right no and I didn't even realize what we were going to be doing on the trip until I got there and and <laughs> we get there and you know I, I met um, some great great leaders and forever friends through this trip from other churches around the country. Um, but it was that first day of arriving where they said, well, we're going to, you, you get to rest the rest of the afternoon, but then tonight we're going to have our orientation. And then tomorrow we're going to spend the whole day focused on how to do door to door evangelism. <laughs> and I was like, <gasps> what? <laughs> And I, I don't think and you're I, an I introvert, fully aren't you? Aren't you an introvert? I am. I, I am absolutely an introvert. I'm, so that I'm terrified more, you. I'm more extroverted because of the way the Lord has worked in my life through missions. But yeah, introverted heart. Definitely prefer to have my own time with my computer, with the TV, uh, with my phone. So that I can decompress after a after a day, not spending the whole day knocking on people's doors that I don't know and telling them about about Jesus. So, so what ended was, up happening on that trip? What ended up happening knocking door to door? Was there anything? Well, I don't know the exact numbers of how we how we did on that trip, how God changed lives, but you know, thousands of people came to know the Lord through really through our our work there. Oh my and, goodness. And, and the way that these, these trips are set up is, is that they connect. Uh, we have sh small teams that connect with local churches that are in walking distance. And, and it was, 
yeah, it was amazing to see all these these little churches um, around the barrios, the neighborhoods in Colombia, uh, that you know were were inviting us into their homes and saying, you know, we we know that there are people on our streets that that have um, a willingness to listen. We just are scared. We're afraid to to approach this on our own. Um, so this is why they bring teams to help them. But then it's their job after we connect to continue this with Bible studies and, and prayer groups going forward. So it's not like you bring in the white Western missionary to do the work. No, it was just we're, we were a, a, a piece to the puzzle to help during this. And, and I, I found that it's been a, a very successful model for them. Um, not just in Colombia, but around the world, uh, what, what E3 Partners Ministry and the I Am Second initiative has done uh, with, with short-term missions is, is truly fantastic and really helped me see the need for, for going to a location long-term. Um, so being on a short-term mission really can help you bridge that gap to long-term missions, uh, which is what I would always suggest for someone. Is that if and you're it, thinking about missions, to do, to do just that, go on a, a one to two week mission trip and and see where God leads. And what I love about what you just described is that you you weren't going to just paint a building and then have no follow up. You have follow up um, because there's you're, to make a disciple that takes time, and so to have the people that you work with, your partners there to actually be doing the follow-up and checking in with them after you leave is really what it's about, right? Exactly. I, I would absolutely agree with that. I think there is a point to short-term missions, but the point is to, is to make sure that there's long-term follow-up. Um, so for sure. for sure. And that's what I love about Facebook too, is I've become friends with people that I took on or that I met like in Honduras, for example, on short-term mission trips that I, I'm so thankful for social media that I can stay friends with them. Because when we were little, I joined you on some of those mission trips, like you talked about to Mountaintop. And of course, yeah. when we we're little, we didn't have phones, we didn't have social media. And it's like, oh, we never get to talk to them ever again. But now I love that about social media too, that we can stay connected. So you went on those trips um, to Columbia, which is just amazing that uh, it kind of to you seemed like out of nowhere, Columbia came up and then you went on too. So then what happened? Well, <laughs> after that is when things really started developing in my life. So uh, as far as a, a long-term mission plan. Um, so at that time, I was also involved in, in leading Bible studies at a local community community college in Houston at Lone Star College in, in Cyprus. And uh, during that time, I, I had a small group. Um, we we're going through the Bible together and I, I sent out the, I sent out an invitation. I, I told them, you know, I'm going to go back to Columbia in March of 2013. And I want to invite you guys to come with me. Like if, if you want to go, because I feel in my heart that it's something I need to keep doing because at the time I didn't 
I didn't hear a call from God of where exactly I should be long term or and what steps do I need to take. Um, and with these with these previous two trips, I wasn't in a leadership role per se, but the next two trips that I took to Colombia, March of 2013 and then August of 2013, I was more in a leadership role. Um, and that helped stretch me even more because I was, I was a team leader. Um, so that, that helped me because, you know, at that point I hadn't done, I still hadn't done much travel on my own, uh, or with small groups of people. I was with a big team or something. And so, so that was, yeah, that was pulling me out of my comfort zone a bit. Um, so during all this time, during, during the trip and during spring break of, of 2013, I invited a friend to come along with me. His name's Nick. Um, and, and we had an incredible time with another church from, from Georgia, <laughs> who so, several of those, um, those guys are still great, great friends of mine that I connect with on, on social media. Um, and then after that, I went again. So I went on a total of four trips to Columbia in, a, in the span of a year, <laughs> uh, which is still kind of crazy for me to think of. Um, but after that, that last trip, um, I did feel like, okay, this, this season of short-term mission trips has come to an end. Like there needs to be like, I, I felt it in my heart. And then I also felt God prompting like, okay, you, you, we need to move forward and into how, how you're supposed to, um, pursue missions as a career. So <clears throat> I was a bit nervous about what that was going to look like because I still didn't feel like I was equipped and ready, <laughs> um, which I'm sure so many people do. And which I think is why a lot of people don't go to the mission field um, is that they're caught up in fear. They're caught up in fear that they're not, they're not ready. They're not spiritual enough. Their job isn't going to function where they where God sends them, um, and probably the biggest one, I don't want to ask people for money. <laughs> so there's a whole whole lot of these things going on, which I think bring people to the point of ah, I'm just not even going to worry about it. I'll do my nine to five job in Houston. So let me pause you and ask you, how do you know if you're if you're called to missions, how did you know that God was calling you to something long-term? Do you think that it's something that um, a lot of people are called to and they just don't think about, or do you think everybody's called to it? Or what do you think? How do you know when you're called to something by God? And I think, like? yeah, I think it's interesting because I 100% believe we're all called to missions. Now, where we fit in that storyline can be very different. Now, I think it was John Piper that said, uh, you have three options for missions. You can go, you can give, or you can be disobedient. <laughs> and, and when I heard that, I thought, oh gosh, well, <laughs> that I really, yeah, I need to take this seriously. Not, not that John Piper is the end all of, of, of Christianity, but 
you know, it was it was a it, it was a message that that I remembered and was thinking like, yeah, this is important. Like missions is important <laughs> and the church should be involved in it more than they are right now. So I think it's important to God. It was his command, his main commandment to us to go and make disciples yeah. of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. So it should be important to us. And I like what you said that how we fit in that, because it looks different for everyone, right? You know, a yeah. lot of people are, like you said, are called to, um, to give and they are in a place where they can support missionaries like you. Um, you know, and I think, if they have $20 or $200,000, every bit helps you. Right. <laughs> so absolutely. Yeah. So that yeah, or, or, or going, or maybe they're called to help in, you know, the streets of Houston or Detroit or whatever. Um, so missions, there's so much to that. I like that, that you said that. So how did you, so how did you know in those moments that it was impressed upon your heart? Okay. Continue that story. It was about what John Piper said. And you're like, okay, I need to go or give i think all along like and then go, going back a ways to, to when i was 16 you know and in the camp at mountaintop it you know i felt like god was saying then you are going to leave your home country um so there are aspects of that that you know it kind of just clicked for me that okay i am i'm gonna go learn another language i am gonna go to another culture uh but it wasn't that easy like <laughs> it wasn't that easy of like oh check mark this is gonna happen check mark this is gonna happen um it was it was a lot of waiting <laughs> and and a lot of the lord not confirming <laughs> it, it was just me taking the next step and seeing where the door was open or closed. So you guys were, were a part of that process. <laughs> when when I when you and Alex were a part of this process, when I was taking steps and really didn't know where I was where I was going to go, but there were opportunities where I felt like God was saying, "Yeah, yeah, walk walk this direction." Um, and and I did that in Europe in in Sweden. And the door closed <laughs> and it was pretty clear that, that God was closing that door. Um, I, I don't know exactly why that that door was closed, but it may have been something as simple as knowing that I was going to burn out in a, in an environment like that. And he, he knows <laughs> that I need to be in a, a, a place with more warmth. Um, not, not, and I and I mean that in a sense of climate and um, emotion and and spiritual connection. So yeah, and, and being yes. in Sweden was was going to be none of that. So I really I did struggle when I felt God closing that door because I felt like ah, it's back to square one. Like where where do we go from here? Um, but at this time. I, I had already joined a mission agency and I was on with a mission agency full time. So, and this was pretty I, I was, soon after, this was pretty soon after the four trips in one year to Columbia. Yeah, it was about, well, I don't know the exact time, 
time frame. I would have to, I do have it written down somewhere, but. <laughs> I feel like um, you went to Europe not too long after that though. No, it wasn't, it wasn't much long after that. Um, but it was during that time between going on those short-term trips to going to Europe that I was searching for mission agencies that I felt uh, were solid in their doctrine and in their calling as teams. Um, and I joined- and the mission agency helps you, so you don't have to do it all by yourself. Exactly, yeah. So, uh, and they were so helpful. And, and the first person I talked to when I had the preliminary application process with, with pioneers was, um, yeah, he, he and his wife had served in the jungles of Peru for years. And they had recently um, moved back to Florida where, they're, where they're, uh, the organization is. Um, and they were talking yeah, they were talking to me. They were just wanting to get to know me. And I said, where, where do you want to go? And I was like, I, I have no idea. Like, <laughs> but at that time I hadn't been, I hadn't been to Europe yet. I hadn't been anywhere internationally for ministry yet. Uh, but he said, well, why don't you come down for our, our get to know you week? Um, and we'll try to connect you with, with some other teams that are going to be here and they'll pitch their ideas to you. Um, and at that time I was thinking potentially I could, I could be using, um, another set of gifts that I have photography and cinematography to on the mission field, which I actually haven't used at all <laughs> on the mission field, which is really interesting. Um, I can't say I haven't used it all, but as, as a main ministry, yeah, it hasn't, it hasn't been something I've, I've gone to. And you're really great at that. You are our wedding photographer. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> Almost, well, I guess nine years ago now, Coulter was our wedding <laughs> photographer, which was awesome. Okay, continue on. So I'm sitting in the cafeteria of this organization in, in Orlando, Florida, and there are several teams that are, you know, pitching their ideas to me. There, there was the, the couple that, you know, I initially had the conversation with that was saying, you know, the launch team in the jungles of Peru. There was another couple that was saying, you know, Siberia, we want you to come and do, you know, cinematography and photography in Siberia so we can, you know, better share our ministry calling with support back home. And we, and we really need a media minded person for that. So I was, I was considering that nothing ever, ever came out of that, but it was, it was a strong consideration. Then there was another one to Uppsala, Sweden, a small city um, about an hour from Stockholm. And this couple and their daughter really encouraged me to come and join them on a, on a two-week survey trip to Sweden. So I did. I, I essentially said, yeah, why don't we do this? They were, we were both young at the time, um, and, and I was encouraged um, to see what they were, were going to be doing and, and really, you know, overall enjoyed the trip, have great conversations with this couple to this day about ministry and, and life. Um, and yeah, and love them. And, and, and I'm so thankful for that opportunity, even though I didn't end up going there um, to serve long-term. 
How um, long did you well, live in Sweden for? Because you ended up moving to Sweden, right? No, I didn't end up moving. No, oh, I just went just... on a survey trip. Oh, okay. But you ended so up... Was... Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so I, I took I took a two-week survey trip to Sweden um, and kind of had it in my mindset prior to that trip that that's where I was going to go. But it was after after that time, that two weeks that I realized God was closing that door. And, and I felt a bit defeated uh, from that because I just, I just sensed like, ah, this means I need to go on another survey trip. This means I have to kind of start a process all over. People who have been, you know, listening to my story and, and wanting to support and know where I'm going to be long term are going to be concerned because this isn't adding up and this, is, this isn't going to be the place. So I had this fear and um, yeah, it was, it was a bit defeated. Uh, but then I got back from that trip and, and I didn't want to make a rash decision. I didn't want to say, you know, Sweden's off the table, it's done. Um, and I ended up going to a conference in Georgia with this couple. Um, and it was actually at that conference where I then said, you know, I don't think it's going to, I don't think it's going to work out where I can join the team. And that was a few months after the trip to Sweden. Uh, so after that, I was kind of in this stage of, of limbo for a few months. And I was talking with the organization um, and I had a, a coach that I would talk things through. Um, and she was, oh, she was super helpful. She's, she's serving in Europe right now, actually, um, in Bosnia. And, um, and she said, well, well, you do have other options and, and you did have places that, you know, you were considering before this. So, uh, why don't you talk to these other team leaders? And she said, we can get you connected with the, the launch team in Peru. Um, so I ended up doing that. I talked with with um, several leaders and that are now great friends of mine in uh, Pucallpa, Peru. And that chat had it happened in 2015, um, near like summer of 2015. And just a few months after that, I was on a, I was on a survey trip to Pucallpa, Peru. Why do Talk I feel like you were in Europe for longer than two weeks? Did you take a trip longer <laughs> than two weeks? No, I didn't. I felt like you were there for like longer. nine months or something. <laughs> <laughs> that two-week trip felt long to me for some reason. Okay, so this it is awesome. It felt long to me too. There were aspects <laughs> of that trip that, that did feel long. I don't um, know. I just always thought you were there for like nine months or some long time, but that's awesome. <laughs> so, so now you are, Peru is on your mind now when you told God, never Europe, never South America. And here you are, <laughs> Europe yeah, is no so for you, but now you're on to South America. Yeah. So here, here I am thinking I'm going back to South America after these trips to Colombia, and I'm just super excited about it. And of course, I, I know that it's going to be very different because it's not the city, it's the jungle. So I go on this survey trip and I, I meet the team and I'm just like, it was, it was everything that the other survey trip wasn't. There was a warmth, there was a connection with the team that was there. 
there was a huge missionary community. And to this day, there's a huge commissionary missionary community there. Um, and I just felt at home. I, I really felt at home there. And, and I, you know, within just a few days of, of being there, I felt like, yeah, this, this is the place I'm going to, I'm going to come to Bukalfa and serve. <laughs> wow. Um, and I felt like the Lord just, the doors were wide open for this. Um, so when I got back from that trip, once again, I didn't want to make a rash decision, <laughs> um, even though it was the opposite <laughs> from, from Sweden, I decided, okay, I'm going to pray through it. Give, give us, go through the holiday season. And then January, I'm, I'm going to start pursuing what, yeah, the answer that, that God has given. And, and during that whole holiday season from Thanksgiving and, and, and Christmas, it was just, there was an excitement and the doors were open. And January 1 of 2016, I started raising funds to, to go to Pacalpa, Peru, to move to Pacalpa, Peru. Um, and in, to move, to move your whole life there, not knowing when there'd be an end, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So six months goes by. Seven, seven months go by. Um, and during that time, I have a checklist from my, my organization. And, and they're, um, they're saying, yeah, here, here are the things you need to do, the books you need to read, the counseling sessions you have to go through, your pre-field training here in Orlando, but also that you have to do in, in Colorado for a month. All these things are happening during this time of fundraising. Um, yeah, because do, you're not going to be just going in like some savior. You are going as a humble man to come alongside of these people, to learn their culture, to learn their language, to know them. And you, there, there has to be a lot of training beforehand. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I mean, the, the training I received at, at Mission Training International in Colorado is it's one of the greatest experiences of my life. Um, and anyone who's considering long-term ministry, not just mission work, but ministry, if you're going to be working with different cultures, it's an absolute must. But I would say that this, this organization is what has helped me most in my journey so far. Um, I spent a month there, two weeks, was focused on how to learn a language, not specifically Spanish, but the, the mechanics of how you put yourself in a position to learn a language well. Um, and we actually practiced on different languages. So some people during those two weeks were focusing on Russian. I was focusing on Mandarin. So it was really interesting during that time to, to practice these concepts so that then we could also put them in practice once we moved to our final destination. Okay, uh, side other, note, side note, yeah. why were you practicing Mandarin if you knew you were going to Peru? Well, it was because they, they saw it as the language doesn't matter. It's the principle and the concepts of learning the language that we want to teach you. Wow, so, that's very So interesting. they focused on that uh, so that you're, 
you're not as worried about the language as you are about concepts so that you know you oh. can look at the concept of the practice. Yeah. And then the other, the other two weeks, we, we were studying culture um, and there were lots of things uh, about this, like how to integrate into a culture well, um, how, to, how to prepare yourself, um, how to deal with expectations not being met, how to deal with things like grief, um, which I think was actually one of the most powerful days there. <laughs> um, it was a, it's, a, it's a hard topic to discuss, um, but had I not had that day of studying grief in Colorado, I would not have been able to get through, you know, both of my grandmother's deaths while I was living here in Peru, a mission mentor, um, and also just not being, because grief isn't just dealing with death, it's dealing with things that you're missing, things that you've missed and can't be a part of. So there's, there were my, my mom's major surgery. Um, there were, there were some, some things that happened during, during that first year in, in Pucallpa that had I not had this training, I would have been a wreck. <laughs> I yeah, would have been a complete wreck. And you're, you're really close with your nieces and nephews. You missed some of their births, right? Yeah. And like yeah. 2020, <laughs> 2020 for everyone in the whole world, there's been a lot of grief. So that's really neat that God allowed you to have that training for such a time as this and the rest of your life. Exactly. Yeah. So that was a huge, a huge point in my life. And to this day, the other missionaries I met at this, at this training are great friends of mine. We're all in different parts of the world. Some have returned to the States and are, are living in the States now. Um, some are married with kids. Um, you know, it's just, it's fascinating because we've all kept, we've kept up with each other. We even have a, we have an ongoing text group where all, you know, 20 plus of us, are constantly trying to send encouragement to each other and, and chat about life. And that's and amazing so to have cool. that community. That's so cool. So cool. So then you moved to Peru in 2016. Yeah. And you I didn't know there. what I was getting myself into. <laughs> you haven't left. Um, yeah, I haven't left. I've had, you know, short vacations where I've come back to, to Texas and spent time with family, but you know, yeah, this is home. You know, I, Texas will always be home, but I, when you become a missionary home, the, the idea of home changes. Um, and you, you have multiple places that you could call home. Sometimes it's when you're with a certain person, other times it's the place, the country where you're living and that it, it, yeah, your, your concept of, and perspective of home is, is just very different. Um, so I spent a year in Pucallpa and <laughs> upon arriving to, to Pucallpa, I didn't really know what I was, what I was going to be doing. I mean, it's just trying to get settled into life is in, in another cultural context is just, it's tricky. <laughs> um, so 
there were things like, ooh, language helper. And I need to find a language helper so that I can put these, these concepts of learning a language into practice. Um, there were, you know, the finding friends, you know, connecting with other, other missionaries, but then also with Peruvians that's, you know, are, that could be my friends that could help me with learning the language. And because there were other missionaries there already, it was easy to make those connections. So I was very fortunate that I, that I had connections from the get go. Um, so I remember it being hard because for anybody, if you've never been on um, a mission trip, it can, just think about it. Think about going to a country, going to the jungle, a totally different environment than you're used to, different food than you're used to. You don't have your family. You don't have your comfort zone. So really your comfort is stripped from you, especially in those first weeks, I'd imagine. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because there's a bit of a mix there because one of the things we talked about in, in the in our cultural training in Colorado was that, you know, once you move to your, your ministry location, your new ministry location, it's, um, there's going to be a mix. It's kind of a paradox of, of how this works. You're going to have moments where you're, where you're still in the honeymoon phase, <laughs> where it still kind of feels like a vacation, where it's not, it doesn't seem real. Um, and for some people that can last three to four months. Wow. Um, for others, it can, it can wear off in a few weeks. And then of course there's, there's others that, you know, it doesn't affect, like you could have that same kind of feeling for, you know, eight, nine, 10 months before, before it starts to set in and you start feeling, you know, anxiety. <laughs> because, so how long was it for uh, you? Um, well, my, mine was a bit difficult to, to register because upon arriving in, at the end of September of, of 2016, um, it wasn't long after that, that my mom had her major surgery, um, where I was considering coming back home, uh, because it, it was a, it was a scary time. Um, and, but I also remember, I mean, there, there were nights in my bed in Pacalpa that I was crying myself to sleep because I didn't know what to do because I was so afraid that if I went home, that I wouldn't come back. Um, that I, I, I was scared of the unknown <laughs> of the situations that were happening there, uh, because I had heard so many say, you, you have to endure <laughs> and and so so much of that is is important in those first few months and this just and this happened three months into moving um and so i struggled with that of of knowing lord what do i do like do i stay here and trust that everything is going to be okay or do i go home and trust that everything is going to be okay um, and I ended up staying in, in Pucallpa. Um, and, and because of that, um, when, when my grandmother passed away in June of the following year, I was able to come home. 
because it probably would not have been financially possible to make both trips happen. <laughs> and this was so, your mom's mom? Yeah. Okay. It was the following year that my dad's mom passed away. Okay. Um, so that was a, that was a difficult, that was a difficult experience, but you know, it was, I, the, the way I tried to explain that, that situation, that story is to say that God gave me an oppor God, God gave me a bunch of opportunities to trust him in, in those first few months on the field, even though I didn't really want those opportunities. <laughs> um, he gave them to me. Um, and, and I am very thankful for that because I can look back now and know that, yeah, he, he was faithful and all of that. Um, Do you think that that was because he just wanted you to go deeper with him, to know him more, to trust him more? Or do you think that was to give you affirmation that you were where you were supposed to be? Or what do you think that was? Because? Oh, I, would, I would say it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, I think the affirmation was, was definitely there. Um, but I, yeah, but I think it was, it was also on a, on a deeper level trust because there are a lot of times where, you know, frustration and anger gets the best of me living in another culture <laughs> uh, where I really, I can really struggle with, with being angry that just things aren't going my way in time isn't um yeah the way time is appreciated in the united states is so different from the way time is is seen in in um latin america so there's moments where that just it irks me it's it's, it's like so nails it on a chalkboard <laughs> yeah it like stretches you you're having to grow so i i think it's yeah the the lord gave me that experience which was a very profound experience to to know that i can trust him in anything even the, the small things um especially the small things because if if i don't trust him in those it can blow up <laughs> um and become a big thing that's not necessary um so yeah that was <laughs> yeah so i know that um during that time period it was a desire of your heart to have a wife as well and that was something alex and i were praying for for you and it could that could be something i don't know i won't take the words out of your mouth but i would imagine that that would be something hard too that was on your heart when you're moving to peru and when you're living there by yourself like how am i going to get married am i going to meet a peruvian am, am i like lord what are you going to do in my life in another area where you're having to trust him and you're having to trust him with literally every every single thing in your your life, which can be hard. But you did, and now you're married. So tell us, yeah. tell us what happened. How did you meet Daniela? Oh yeah. So I think bef before that, it's it's important to say that when I tried to do dating and relationships on my own without the Lord, I fell flat on my face. Um, and that was a huge learning curve for me <laughs> um, to once again trust that the Lord had someone for me and in his timing. Um, and yeah, I think when I got to Peru, there was definitely a desire, but I, I still wasn't sure. Was I going to meet a Peruvian? Was I going to meet another missionary? What was like, what was going to happen? 
Um, I, and that wasn't your main focus either. Let's be clear. It wasn't like the, no, you didn't no, move no. to Peru, <laughs> Peru to meet a wife, but. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to, to meet a Latina. It was, <laughs> it, it, it was a bonus. Yeah, it was a, and just a huge blessing that, you know, when I, when I moved from, when my time at the jungle ended, uh, which was a blessing in itself, getting to talk through the team, uh, with the team there and, and tell them my plans for, for moving to Arequipa where I am now. Um, I had spent two months in Arequipa studying Spanish at an academic institute. Um, one of the reasons why I wanted to stay in Arequipa is because the year that I spent in Pucallpa, I was really struggling learning the language. Um, even with the language helpers, it was not an academic way of learning. Um, and I, I really struggled with that and didn't feel like I was making any progress. Um, so one of the reasons, um, it was after a, a brief furlough back to the States that I ended up flying from Houston direct to Arequipa, um, instead of going back to the jungle, I studied, I studied in Arequipa for a couple of months and then returned to Pacalpa. And it was on that return trip to Pacalpa that I shared with them. I said, you know, I, I feel like it's, it's time like I need to spend, you know, at least another six months in language learning so that I'm prepared to do ministry in a, in a Spanish speaking country, because at this moment, I'm, I just don't feel um, confident in my language. Um, and they, they understood. I, I think they were sad to see me leave. Um, but it was, it was special to have that time together. They prayed for me. They, I mean, um, went on. And then I went on my way. I got my stuff shipped. I had a, a, a family that's very close to, a Peruvian family that I'm very close to in, in Pucallpa that shipped a lot of my things to me uh, here in Arequipa because I couldn't take it all um, on the plane. And um, yeah, and then, and then things started in, in Arequipa and things, it's it like jump-started ministry and life in, in a way that I had never imagined. And <laughs> um, what so year was back. this now? This was 2017 now? This is 2018. 2018, okay. This is 20, 2018. So I had, I had arrived in Arequipa in January of 2018, was there a couple months, went back to Pacalpa, came back to, to Arequipa, and it was um, early April 2018, um, I was going to the, my local church, Daniela's church, um, and it was Easter Sunday and sun, the, this Sunday was a little bit different. There were small tables set up. Um, and I see, uh, a young woman that I recognized, but didn't know very well sitting by herself. Um, and I walk over to the table and I say, Hi, Daniela. I don't know if you remember me, but I'm Coulter. Can I sit with you? And she, yeah. Um, and we sat there and we we chatted for a little bit before a couple of other missionaries joined our table, and and we chatted chatted for a, a little while. And then the service started, and then afterwards we chatted some more. Um, and it was just very no, nothing 
was there. <laughs> Nothing. Um, you didn't know she was going to be your wife. <laughs> no, 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 not at that point. Um, but so, something came up where um, we were talking with the other the other missionaries there that we should go out and do um, go out for dinner and karaoke <laughs> in the city um, to practice singing our Spanish, of course. Um, and and uh, this missionary family said, hey, Coulter, Daniela, why don't y'all set that up for us? So it was around that time that we And we Daniela was that. a missionary? No, 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 no. There, there was another, um, there but was she, another couple. But she joined with you guys that are missionaries to go to your yeah. community night, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we... Um, it ended up being a big group um, of, you know, English speakers, Spanish speakers. I think there may have even been a German or two there. And we, yeah, we just, we had a blast and nothing came, like nothing, nothing happened that night that like sparked something. But it was, it was um, after that night that we continued to chat. We, we met at the youth, the youth and young adults group. Um, and, and it wasn't, I can't, um, I can't remember the exact moment that I realized like, well, what about her? But it's like, it just kind of, it popped into my mind, like maybe, maybe Daniela. And, and I started, um, yeah, I started chatting with her at church. Um, at this time, I was actually part of the worship team at at the church. I I took a break from that um, um, last year, and then this year hasn't hasn't happened. <laughs> um, but we, yeah, we just got to we got to know each other through text messaging, um, through chatting at church, through chatting at at youth group, um, and then. You know, several months after after chatting, I I asked her if she'd like to go on a date with me, Aww. and and she she said respectfully no. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I don't know this story. <laughs> That's awesome. So, but it probably really, didn't feel awesome. <laughs> well, actually, at that moment, um, we had we had already spoken for several months, and I. I was not concerned when she said it because she said it so nicely. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's so She seems you. really nice. Like, thank you for saying no to me. Like, <laughs> she seems like one of the people that is so sweet. It doesn't matter what she says. You're not going to be mad at her because she just says it so sweetly, even if she's rejecting well, <laughs> you. <laughs> is that the way she is? <laughs> yeah, she's she's so sweet. She Love is, it. Yeah. Um, so she said no, and then what happened? Well, you know, a, a, about another, I think about another six weeks passed, um, and we were still chatting. Like, it, it was, nothing changed with our chatting. We, we continued talking, um, and then she said, you know, if you ever need help uh, with writing out and speaking your testimony in Spanish, I'd be happy to help you. And I said, oh, okay, 
uh, what did you have in mind? And I was like, well, we could get together. And I was, I was thinking, jackpot. <laughs> <laughs> so we ended up going and, and meeting at, at Starbucks and we had, yeah, a special, special time getting to know each other. We chatted for probably an, I don't remember exactly an hour and a half at Starbucks. And then I needed to purchase some like artisan gifts at a gift shop in the center of town. So she went with me there. Um, these were gifts for a, a short-term team that was coming in for a, for a, a small um, project we were doing um, outside of the city. And um, yeah, during this whole afternoon and evening, uh, we got to, to know each other. We were together and it was at the end of that, that night that I, I knew I was gonna marry her. It was- Do you both, do both of you guys now consider that your first date? <laughs> I don't, I don't know if she still sees it as that um, because dating is such a, it's, it's not a thing in Latin America. It's not like you, you don't just ask someone out on a date and, and, and go to dinner or go to ice cream or something. It's like, it's a group activity, which um, I do believe in. I think it's a, it's a very important thing to, which we did with the young adults and, and group like early on, which is why I wanted to get to know her more one-to-one -one later. Yeah. <laughs> so I think she would still say, you know, I didn't see it as a date, but, <laughs> but of course I'm, I'm the one who, who was like, yeah, honey, that was, that was definitely a date. That was <laughs> so we, yeah, from, from there, for, for me, it was like, I never looked back. It was like, yeah, Danielle is the one I'm going to, I'm going to marry her. Um, and it was truly just four months, five months later that I asked her to marry me. And did and she say no this time or she said yes the first she, time? She said yes. Okay. That would have been a, that would have been a little more difficult to, to deal with. So, so she was yeah, on the we, same page with you and that's awesome. Yeah. At that, at that point we were definitely, yeah, we were on this, on the same page there. And, um, and we, yeah, we had, um, we were of course planning a wedding, um, getting her to, to meet my parents and family and, you know, my, my brother and a, and a good mutual friend of ours came and visited a couple of years ago, around this time, a couple of years ago. Um, and she got to meet Canon. Um, I'm gonna fly, join me there. Um, <laughs> and, and then actually it was right around the time that, that Daniela and I were, became official that my parents had already scheduled a trip to come visit where we were going to go see all the, the ancient ruins in Cusco, Machu Picchu, all of that area. So it just happened to be like, what a coincidence that my parents were there right around the time that, <laughs> that Daniela and I had started, you know, building our relationship. And we, I, I remember really, really, really special time um, when my parents had come into town um, and we went 
I was with them and we went over to Daniela's parents' house and the six of us were in the living room talking. Um, her dad can speak English, her mom very, very, very little. Um, so we were doing translation and talking about things. And then we spent, you know, half an hour praying together. Um, wow, I have goosebumps three, right now. Three families and our two, fam two families and, and one future family. And, and it was just, yeah, really, really special. I look back on that and think what a, what a blessing it was to have that time. And that, you know, we didn't even know that that was going to be a special time because at the, at the moment we didn't know that my, our relationship was going to bud right around the time that my parents came. So it was, so that was, was before really you were engaged. Yeah. And shortly after you got engaged and then how long were you until you got married? So we got married last year, 2019, March, 2019. Okay. Uh, so we, we were, we knew each other got engaged and got married in less than a year. Wow. Isn't that like God? I just want to think about this for a second because I'm thinking how I'm thinking all the way back to when you're 16 years old and God impressed missions on your heart and you started this journey really then of trusting him and learning to trust him because you don't know what anything in your future would look like but you had these desires on your heart and then he took you to Europe. And in the moment you have no clue that you're going to be in Peru. And like just this whole journey, you end up in Peru. You don't know that you're going to meet your wife there at the time. And you're just trusting him, trusting him, trusting him. And like those Columbia trips too, in a year that Columbia comes out of nowhere. I just think it's so cool. And something to be said about that, that when we really just continue to follow the Lord and trust him with the very next step, we do not know what's right around the bend. And he gave you all these desires of your heart. He gave you this wife. He gave you all these special moments that you had no clue were right, were real, literally right around the corner. Yeah. And people in each of these steps too. I think it's very important also to mention because I, I've mentioned the churches that I grew up with and the churches that, you know, were, were stepping stones along the way. But I haven't even mentioned the fact that, you know, Katie Bible Church, who is my, who is my, my home church now in, in Texas, were a vital part in this step and, of course, continue to be. Yeah. Um, but even in a time where they didn't even know me that well. And it was so special for me because I got to know the, the pastors and, and leadership and, and other um, young adults at this church in the middle of the fundraising process, you know, so many churches I think could have looked at that and thought, who's this clown coming to our church thinking that he's gonna join our church and receive our support. But they, were, they received me with open arms. And not only that, have been one of my biggest, you know, cheerleaders on this journey when, you know, I haven't spent, but maybe a year of, of Sundays <laughs> at that church. And it's just, it's so wonderful um, to me. It's the, it's the same thing with my new mission organization now. Um, when I made the transition from the jungle to, to Arequipa, uh, it, was it was known that I was gonna have to make a, a, 
a mission organization switch. And during that time, I was a bit fearful of that because I didn't know what that was going to entail in, in the form of me, you know, potentially needing to do a debrief in Orlando with pioneers and have to do additional application process with the new organization. So there was a lot of just like ugh, anxiety and tension um, in the midst of <laughs> a budding romance that was happening. And I, um, yeah, I just remember when I first started chatting with World Indigenous Missions uh, that you know, I, I chatted with, with, with multiple leaders um, and staff there. And every time I just felt, you know, this is the, this is an organization that's going to help me make this transition well. Um, and they did. And, and thankfully I've, I've gotten to spend time with them in person now. Thankfully they are based in New Braunfels, Texas. Wow. <laughs> like, what an amazing blessing that when I come back to Texas, I'm just a two hour drive. Um, from them and I get to spend time with the staff and friends and other missionaries there. You know, it's God just opened so many doors and and made it so clear that, you know, Peru, he affirmed that Peru is the place. You know, you may have some changes along the way, but no, this is the place. Um and yeah, it's been amazing to watch that, how it's unfolded. And and even now, looking looking toward the future, you know, there's still a lot of unknowns with the pandemic. We even received. Yeah, I just read this some... morning. Oh, I'm sorry. I just read this morning that Peru has had the most deaths during the pandemic. Is that true? Based on, it's, I don't know what the percentage they're using, but I think it's based on a, um, on the amount of. population i don't i'm not sure but it's um, been bad in peru the numbers have been high y'all been, been the, quarantined since march it's been very strict very strict and we've had a we had a great president leading us during that time unfortunately last night the congress here i don't want to get into too much politics but the congress here voted him out uh which is quite a scary time for us because, you know, he was doing a great job. He's supported by the people, the people love him. Uh, but this new, this new guy that has, has stepped in charge, that was the former leader of the Congress that knocked him out is now the leader of the nation, which is just, you know, corruption after corruption after corruption. Um, and it's been a, a common theme in Latin American countries for, for decades. Uh, we just hope that that Peru does not follow the path of, you know, other nations. Um, we, we hope that, yeah, we, we hope that things get cleared up and it's not a, a serious situation for us with this change. So talking about, so they're talking about the future, you mentioned the future. So there's uncertainty with that. And then just, is there uncertainty with you and Daniela not knowing what you guys want to do for your work or if you want to be in Peru long-term or what does the future look like when you think about it? Well, the short-term future, um, I would say is 
to to continue um, serving as we are right now. So, um, and I, you know, I know I mentioned earlier that you know we we haven't marked off our uh, off our schedule that or off our list that we could potentially move to another location. That's only in the Lord's leading. I I don't think it's either one of our desires to leave Peru. Um, now we do want to travel to the United States together. Uh, that involves a visa process that has been unsuccessful once, and due to the pandemic, we haven't been able to try it again. Um, but that's something we're certainly praying praying over because you know there's a lot of things that I feel like are important. The timetable, and and her getting to see where I grew up, um, getting to see friends and family that she didn't get to meet at the wedding here in Arequipa is, yeah, I think that's, that's an important step before we, we think about, you know, other plans, like potentially even having a family, um, having our own place, um, which we were talking about building, um, restructuring the, the house that we live in now to, to, to live here um, on a different floor. <laughs> um, what is the work that y'all are doing right now together, the two of you? So the two of us do, don't do a whole, we don't do a whole lot of ministry together at the moment. Okay. Um, we, we did do some when it involved the packing, the packaging project um, during the, the, the highest point of the pandemic. Yeah, you were um, packaging which, food for people, right? For Venezuelan refugees. Yeah, oh, wow. we, were, we were mostly packing and there were 3,000 families on this list. And um, but there's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of Venezuelan families in Peru. But we had 3,000 on our list and we did have, you know, several months there where where we were helping with the packaging project. We were part, part of a team in that aspect. So there were, there were others who were delivering, there were others that were administering and, and bringing in the, the food. Um, but yeah, part of a team in that project. It certainly wasn't our, our specific ministry per se, <laughs> but it was something that we got to be a part of during the heightened time of the pandemic. So what does um, day to day look like for you now? like for your work now? Yeah, so we have, my my main focus right now is Arequipa English. And what that looks like, we are, we're an English club that meets every week. Uh, during, during the pandemic, it's only been once a week, uh, but we're hoping to expand that once we get more leadership. Um, we, we were at two times a week trying to get it to three, but because of the pandemic, it's made it really hard due to scheduling. Um, and it's usually because students don't have time, which, which is hard um, to, to think that students don't have time, but many of them are helping um, their families working or even doing school online. But Arequipa English is, is my main ministry right now. Uh, it is an English club that focuses on practicing conversational English while also, while also teaching the Bible. 
Um, so our main focus is, of course, to show the gospel to each student that comes. And how does that work? Well, the first hour of every class that we do, which we've been doing everything by Zoom, um, the first hour is focused on conversational practice, introducing yourself, telling us about your week, what, it, what, what you're doing. Um, we have new students pretty much every week, so it's, we're, we're always having to do introductions. Um, then we play games that will help them practice and push them in their in learning English. But many of them have intermediate to advanced levels already from previous classes they've taken. So this is more of just extra practice for them so they don't lose their English. So that's the first hour. The second hour, we do a full-blown Bible study with them. So during the pandemic, we've gone through the Gospel of Matthew. Um, we are currently in chapter 17. We just did transfiguration um, and we will continue to study the rest of Matthew through the end of the year and then probably to end the year in mid-December we will do a some form of a Christmas party which we're still I'm in charge of I'm, I'm helping plan um, and we are yeah trying to figure out a way how we can do a Christmas party through zoom that's engaging enough for students to enjoy it. <laughs> so um, that the is- challenges that of 2020. My, yeah. So that has been a major um, part of my ministry during this time. Other other ministry has been, um, I, I have several friends that I meet with um, on a weekly basis that um, some are believers, some aren't. <laughs> Uh, sometimes we just chat via text, but many times we chat through Zoom as well. Um, and there's a, a good, a really good friend of mine. Um, he's probably one of one of my best friends here in the city. He is, he is an atheist. Um, and he has been one that I've, you know, met with several or once a week for almost two years now. <laughs> And um, of course, things change and, and sometimes we have to reschedule and, and do things, but he is, he is a great friend. He's staunchly atheist. And it's very interesting to have conversations with him because it, it's very clear that he, he doesn't believe, um, but he doesn't push me away either. Um, and he does listen and he still comes to Arequipa English too. And he does the Bible studies with us. So, you know, one of my biggest prayers is that one day we're going to get to celebrate together and knowing that he's become a Christian and, and that he's put his belief in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and King. And that, that is one thing that I, you know, deeply hope for. And so he'll be in heaven with you one day. Yeah. So that's, that's someone you can be praying for. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's major ministry. We've also, we connect. Okay. You want to. Well, I'm just thinking that I love, I think that's a testament to that. You can be friends with people. You can be really good friends with people that don't have the same beliefs as you. 
and that are different. You're married to someone that comes from a different culture than you. And I think that that's really cool. You know, that, um, yeah, period. I just think that that's really cool. Yeah, I, it's a timely thing to be talking about. <laughs> For sure. Um, but yeah, whether, whether you have differing religious views or political views, I, I do think it's important that we listen to each other. What, whether you're frustrated beyond belief that someone could believe something different than you, listen to why they believe it. Why it's important. Oh, I was just talking with Alex about this last night. <laughs> I mean, it's like hearing someone, someone's point of view is important. <laughs> Listening to why they believe that is important. You can disagree all you want, but listen. Why do you um, think it's important? Because it's the only way we can truly have unity, <laughs> I believe. It's if you're if you're gonna write someone off because you're a Christian and they're an atheist, you're never gonna understand why. Uh, if you're gonna write someone off because you're a Democrat and they're a Republican, you're never gonna understand why they believe what they believe and why it's important to them. Yeah, um, we don't wanna burn the bridges, right? That's what I was, I was talking to Alex about that is I wanna be able to sit at the table with someone and we can totally disagree, but they're welcome at my table. I'm welcome at their table. I wanna be able to, connect because there's so much more that connects us you know when we zoom out and not look at all these things that are thrown in our face every day but just really care about the one person right in front of us at the table and loving them just as they are we got done reading um i don't know if you've read bob goff's everybody always book but i've Alex heard and of I, it i've seen pieces of it yeah alex and i read that during the pandemic and he talks about that in the book that you know, Bob Goff is awesome. If you know anything about him, just loving people, he finds creative and extravagant ways to love them. But it's very, really quite simple. I think it's more simple than we make it sometimes. And I love that you do that with your friend, that you're friends with this guy and, you know, you're just love each other. You know, he loves you. You love him just right where you're at. Yeah, it is. It is special. I mean, I don't want to be one who says that I'm perfect at it either, because there are certainly times where I get very frustrated with a differing viewpoint. Yeah. And it's hard for me to see anything other than the fact that it's a differing viewpoint. Um, but we, we need to use caution in how we respond to people that are different from us, that, that have different views from us, because, you know, it's, we can burn bridges and and it's not necessary. <laughs> we don't, we, and I think, you know, Christians are held to a higher standard too. Um, and it, it's, yeah, it's, it's tough to see what's happening. I mean, being, being away from, from Texas, um, while, while also seeing the news of what's going on in the world, going on in the United States right now, and what has been going on in the United States for, you know, about a year now is just, it's heartbreaking to see. Um, and it's discouraging because, you know, I want Daniela and I to have an enjoyable experience when we do travel to the States together. And it's, um, and it's hard when you see so much um, division. I think you'll have an enjoyable experience. And I think so much to, um, 
I don't know. I think a lot is thrown on our face if you're just watching the news or media that that makes it. I don't know if I can say makes it worse than it is because I don't want to dismiss how it is. But when I turn, I find when I turn my, you know, turn the news off or whatever, and I just walk in the grocery store and connect with someone, it brings me that like joy and peace. Like, oh, we don't all hate each other, you know? So I think y'all have a great time. But, but anyway, so this has been awesome, Coulter. This is there any? Yeah. Is there anything that you want to talk about that we didn't cover? Gosh, um, we have been talking for quite a while now. We're over an hour. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm sure there are questions you could ask that could send me on a, on a tizzy for another two hours, but <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I don't know. Yeah, I just, I just, well, I just think about, I love hearing this because first of all, I learned so much about your life that I didn't know. And I've known you for so long, but I just love to kind of see the whole painting that God is, is creating in your life. And just from when you were young and growing up and trusting him, like I talked about earlier and, you know, through high school and through college and through the Columbia trips in Europe and and Peru and just where he's led you and blessed you with this wife. And I think a, a common theme is trust in your life. And I think that that has been a great discipline too. Um, I think you've grown and you're like, you were talking about your patience and you've had to, you've had to really humble yourself to listen and learn. And that obviously grows you, grows you as a person, grows you closer to God. And it just makes you such a strong light where you can, like we were talking about, have friends um, that have different viewpoints and, you know, you and your wife are doing such great work and I just love it. But yeah, if there's anything else than any um, thing you want to say, now's your time. <laughs> no, I just, I want to thank you for letting me be a part of this. It's such an honor to get to speak on my first ever podcast. Oh, and nice. I'm honored. I didn't realize that. I, I think it's, yeah, I I hope that maybe a, a few years from now, when when um, when your podcast has taken over I, the iTunes Store and and everyone's downloading your your, your episode that, number four. <laughs> yeah, or that we could do a recap in a few years when there's new items to the story. Yeah, new items, and I'm sure my maybe technology will better. I've got big dreams for this podcast, so we'll see where God takes it, but. I just love seeing what he's done in your life. Um, and I just really appreciate you following him and being, you know, transparent and vulnerable with all of it. You're an awesome husband to your wife. I can't wait to meet her. I still haven't met her, which is insane. And an awesome friend. Um, so thank you for being on. What I ask all of my friends that are on is just kind of a fun question. I told you beforehand. If there's anyone from the past or present that you could sit down with and hear their life stories, their God stories, who would it be and why? When you, yeah, well, you pro you prompted me with this question last week, so I did. Um, it immediately popped into my mind to use this person, um, but this could change with time. Like there are so many people that I would love to hear their stories. <clears throat> But the one that's fresh on my mind, her name is Anita Dittman. 
Um, she is the author of a book titled Trapped in Hitler's Hell. Wow. Uh, she passed away a year ago this month. And uh, my wife was, when, when we first got um, to know each other, she, um, she told me that, um, that there was a book that she loved, and it was this book, Trapped in Hitler's Hell. And what is so special about it? Well, it's the story of a young Jewish girl who grows in knowing the Lord um, during the time of the Holocaust, during the time of Hitler's reign. Um, for the first, I, I read it for the first time last month with, with Daniela. We, we read it together um, and it just blew my mind how someone could have such um, an amazing aspect and positive aspect on life during a time that was so horrific. Um, so I've just, I've been kind of obsessed <laughs> with wanting to learn more about how, yeah, how to, to live a life of appreciation in a time where you have pain from hunger, um, how to live a life of thankfulness when the thing that you can only be thankful for is the fact that your Lord is on the throne and nothing else in your life is going well. <laughs> um, so this powerful. book and, and, and her, her life story is just remarkable. I'm not getting paid to share <laughs> that. <laughs> that's not a, it's just a plug um, to say that, yeah, I would love to sit, would have, I would have loved to have sit down and talk with her and hear, hear it from her personally, because just the way she speaks through her story in, in the book. Um, and what was her incredible. name? Anita Dittman. Okay, I'll put that in the show notes too, so people can look up that book as well. It sounds like an incredible book. It is. It's, it's phenomenal. Well, friend, this has been awesome. <laughs> I know we could talk for hours, but thank you so much for sharing. And thank you, friends, for listening to this was great, Coulter. Thank you so much, Cassie. Okay.